Welcome everyone to the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Let's go! You're listening to episode 170, and today we have Michael Delaveno. Michael Delaveno is the author of Automate and Grow. Michael helps automate marketing, sales, and customer support, all while building digital products. And he has an amazing podcast. You should probably check it out. I was on it. It was probably his best episode ever. Uh, no, probably not. But uh, so far, so far, exactly. Yeah. But but without further ado, Michael, welcome to the show. How's your day going? It is great. And it's uh, just so you, I'm going to help you with the pronunciation a little bit. Oh, I said Delaveno. It's Devileno. Yeah. So Dang just it. think of the devil. I'm sorry. I completely. People actually call me Devil or Dev. So it's so. I, I don't. I, I literally we literally talked like three times before uh, off the show, and and so I have it literally uh, on my computer like <laughs> D E V space, and then like sounded out, and I still messed it up. So. You know, it's 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 one of those things where like I expect people to mess up my last name because it's such a bullish last name, but I do apologize. Um, no, you're, I don't. I'm not offended because you know what? Ellis Island offended us first. We yeah. don't actually have our real last name anymore. Yeah, I remember you were you're saying that. Yeah. So when we came, uh, my family came from uh, Sailor to Palermo to America of all places. Even though I was I'm Canadian, and when they went to Ellis Island. The, the last name was so many syllables that they couldn't handle it. Mm. And uh, so the first guy that came over was named Mariano Pettivilliano. Mm. And then he went to Canada and he didn't speak English, of course, right? Mm. So what he realized about, you know, several years in is that they had called him Mary Devilano. Mm. So he goes, Mary's a girl's name. Yeah. So he changes to Michael Devilano, believe it or not. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> That's cool. Um, the second or third Michael Devilano. Wow, that's pretty awesome. That's a. Yeah. I mean, are, have you been into your your lineage? Uh, is that something that you've always been into? I don't know if I've always been into it, um, but you know, the last few years, a couple of things happened. One, the one side of my family is Irish, and I actually went and I got my Irish citizenship. Mm. So my grandparents were born in Dublin. On my mother's side, they're a hundred percent Irish, mm -hmm. and then the other side. Um, you know, there's been some research done by various family members, so we kind of figured out, like, hey, we're not from where we thought we were. <laughs> not, there's not one Devilano in all of Italy. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. That's kind of neat. But... That's a good background. So, so before we get into the business questions about life, we have to get over. <laughs> we have to talk about something here that's really important to me, and that's food. Um, so my first question, I always ask every single podcast. If you had the absolute best day of your life, mm -hmm. where would you go to eat and what would you order? It's so tough because I've been really like fortunate to eat at some pretty amazing places. Um, you know what? If One place that I have not been is the Adriatic. Mm. So I would, I would probably go to uh, that part of Italy and I would have um, – fish right from the sea mm. made with sea salt and fresh veggies right from the shore there. Mm. That's what I 
because I haven't done that yet. I'm a big seafood guy. Like, if you sit me down in front of a giant platter for three people of lobster, crab, oysters, etc., I'm gonna eat it all. Yeah, I'm. See, I'm the same way. Um, <laughs> if if I get food in my uh, on my plate or in front of me, um, I can't stop. Like, I don't have a. I don't have like a, 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 a emotion. It's literally just like it's either zero or like I'm stuffed and I can't eat anything, or like I'm going insane. See, with um, me, it's just seafood. Yeah, yeah. So actually, do do you like seafood? Oh, absolutely. When when I'm back, we'll we'll go to we'll go on a little tour because there's a couple of really good places. One is the Gentry, and they have dollar oysters that are legit. And I swore to them, when I found that out, I came, I said, listen, what's the record? And they said 70 oysters. And I go, okay, I'm coming back with a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to do it, might as well do it that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good stuff, man. So, so the first real question about the podcast, among all these other things, um, tell me about a time that you felt lost or blind in business and how did you overcome those obstacles? So I think, um, you know, when I first kind of broke out on my own about, I guess it's like eight years now, where I left working for a big company and working on my own, I think actually it was like propelled because I, you know, I had some cash and I was latching onto a hot market, but, you know, things change, right? And uh, sometimes it's not like somebody sends you a flyer and says things have changed. You have to sometimes go by your gut and then you got to figure out what's next. And so I think I knew intuitively when I started my business, originally what I was doing was building everyone's platform and app, right? So I was building iPhone and Android apps and custom SaaS backends. And it just felt like something was going, you know, different there. There's, uh, so I hit a point where I was like, what the hell do I do? <laughs> um, because I felt like my branding, my success was around building everyone's app and I, I felt like the momentum in that whole space had changed. And so I really went through this like period where I was like, am I still, I work digital, which was my company or am I something else? And what, what is that something else? And it was, it was really challenging because there's no one there to tell you the answer. Mm -hmm. And what, and I think the one thing an entrepreneur um, is, is like creating out of nothing almost. Right. So it's like, I had to figure out, Okay, well, what do I want to do? First of all, what am I good at? And what, what do people want to buy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> was, I, I think it was a real challenge because you get really attached even to your own brand. Yeah. I, I felt like I created a brand that people identified with me mm. over, you know, years. And, um, you know, I ended up changing my brand to cloud advisory. And I think we almost get too emotional and personalize that, but that was, that was a tough time. I gotta be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I appreciate your honesty. I think, I think any type, any, uh, kind of rebrand, um, or any type of name change, um, I'll, I'll give you full transparency. We, we've changed our name three, four times. Um, and each time that you get it, I feel like each time you change something, it, you're one step closer to getting it. You're one step closer to that, that end quote unquote, whatever that end goal is. Um, so kudos for you for, for acknowledging it and knowing that it was something that you had to do, um, and then actually executing upon it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was interesting and I was really happy at the end. Um, you know, yeah. and it wasn't just the brand too. It was like, what do we do for people? <laughs> yeah. What do you stand for? Et cetera. Yeah. Uh, that's so important. Really, so, really so speaking <laughs> of like w what you stand for, 
one of the hardest things to do in business is to achieve your first 100 customers. Um, how were you able to accomplish this? Now, you can answer this question in several ways. You can answer the question from an aspect of how you are obtaining customers, how, or you can go the standpoint of automation, marketing, sales, customer support, the things that you do sure. best, um, and then how we can apply that to our business today. So if I, I go back, um, you know, I, I think my business has gone a couple different waves, right? Mm -hmm. So the first wave was, as I mentioned, kind of in the app space. And um, what I, what, what I, you got to find is what's that one source of trafficking conversion that really works. And initially what worked for me when I was acquiring app customers was um, around Google AdWords and then getting them to convert to meetings basically. And I think at that time, building apps was really hot. So I ended up doing, I've done well over, I lost count after 100 um, custom app projects, which was really crazy over a five, six year period. That's crazy. That's a huge number. So, and But what I did was, I, what I was able to do there was figure out by just trial and error, what's my sales process? You know, first of all, is what's my traffic and conversion? Like, how do I get people you know, telling me that they want to do something, what does that conversation look like when I get them on the phone or, you know, that's typically what I was doing was getting them on the phone and then how do I get them to sign a contract and do a project with me? Yeah. So really what I figured out was that process of traffic and conversion, what's my sales playbook and then delivering on the product. Um, so I was able to do that for that segment of my business. And then when I rebranded and, and started focusing more on, um, I rebranded the cloud advisory and I started focusing more on, on Salesforce projects. Um, so that was again, similar. What I actually did there was I needed referenceable clients is what I felt. So mm. the first 10 or 20, I really did it at very inexpensive rates in exchange for references. Mm. So I told people up front, here's my normal rate. I'm going to be your best friend because I'm going to do the best job. <laughs> yeah. But, you're gonna give me a reference, whether you like it or not. And I put it right in the contract. Mm. People were game for that because they knew they were getting a deal and they got really good quality work. And you know, then I was able to feature their logo and their story. And I used that really for the first 20 or 25, and then that got me the next 75, really. Mm. That's cool. So, and, and again, I think the challenge in all of that is what's the ecosystem and uh, figuring out where the jobs are coming from and the initial inexpensive stuff was able to come from freelancer networks, but that wasn't where the next high value clients were gonna come from. And so that was a little more complicated. And then I've recently created um, more done for you kind of um, lead generation type products. Like I've built something called Linked Funnels, which is like a takeover of your LinkedIn to generate, um, you know, basically sales opportunities, right? Because mm -hmm. I think email's, you know, really tough. And so is uh, cold calling. Those are really tough things today. So this has uh, been another situation where I've been doing the same thing, where I've been giving people, I've explained people the story, and my first batch of customers, I'm giving them a special deal so I can reference them. So do you think, I'll start with, with this, this portion in particular, do you think that process of doing something for essentially free or at cost or whatever, um, and then asking for referrals, do you still think that that is a viable way 
to start a business? I, th I think it helps. Uh, number one, for a couple. Number one, I think because it gives you momentum. So I don't do it for free, but I do it for you know serious cut rate. Yeah. But it still brings in revenue, and I can still make that profitable. Yeah. Uh, the second is that it gives you that social validation. Also, as an entrepreneur, it gives you confidence yeah, that sure. what you're doing people want, right? Then when you then your task is not so much figuring out whether they want what you're offering, but are they, will they, are they willing to pay more? Yeah. Okay. Which is a lot less painful than nobody wants what you're doing or you're doing it wrong or you know the story is wrong. So I think it gets you momentum and it gives you confidence, which is really important because sometimes you'll stop. <laughs> if things don't feel like they're working, you as the leader of your business Absolutely. And the will stop. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a lot to be said about the um, the aspect of like deflating your your ego or deflating your your momentum, um, your swagger, so to speak. So I mean that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, so from okay, so you agree that 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 could be a good viable way for you to grow your business. Um, let's just say you, you have your, your first batch, right? You have a decent customer load. Now you're looking to scale, you know, you're right. looking to automate and grow. How, mm -hmm. how are we, how can we automate and actually grow the business from a marketing sales and even customer support aspect? So, uh, I think what I write about is I'll, I'll batch it into two things. One is what you're offering and what your product and I think the number one job of every entrepreneur right now is to recognize, one, that we're in year zero. Uh, 2018 in particular is year zero of the fourth industrial revolution. So I don't know if you knew that, but the word on momentous time. And the reason I say that is because the last industrial revolution has really been around electronics, mass production of electronics, computers and networks. And that evolved into digital, right? But what's happening now is there's like six or seven of these like transformational digital technologies that you need to look at and understand your customer problem and apply. So the first thing you got to figure out is what's my customer problem that I'm trying to solve? Is that what I'm going to solve for the next 10 years? And which one of these technologies can I apply to it? And uh, Peter Diamandis writes about this and talks about this which is, uh, you know, still computers and networks is still valid, but maybe, you know, and that's a big bucket, but AI, 3D printing, robotics, digital medicine, synthetic biology, and, you know, the other category that I'm going to pull out of computers and networks that he doesn't talk about yet, and maybe he will, is blockchain. And those are all really at the point where there's a tipping point where they're, you know, we're really, I think, where we were with the internet in 1996, 98. With those technologies, maybe not computers and networks, but with those technologies for the most part, the next 10 years are going to be exponential. So whatever, whoever your customer is today may not be your customer in 10 years. Or it may be what you're doing for them. Someone else is going to do it if you don't change. <laughs> and that is a very well said a statement because... Um... I think in, in, in general, in life, you kind of have to figure out, is this solution game-changing? Is this something that somebody else can do, or am I just getting lucky because of my, um, my, my network, so to speak? Yeah. Um, and being able to differentiate yourself. Your network will always run dry, no matter how hard you work, no matter what it is that you offer, what it is that you do. Um, 
what are some ways that you think that we can separate ourselves from a technological standpoint um, <clears throat> or just from a business standpoint? Like how can we, how can we set ourselves up for the next industrial revolution? Well, I, I think it's kind of um, a process where you got to have to create a product innovation plan. And that's really that first bucket I was talking about. So you've got to figure out, again, who's my customer, what's their problem, and what problem am I solving today? And how would I take a digital technology and solve that in a different way? Because what if you're not doing it, somebody else is. Um, and it doesn't matter today if it's a low margin business because those technologies change those equations. And I'll, I'll use uh, what I think is probably the lowest margin business that is out there, transportation. So if you look at transportation and moving goods and people, we're at an interesting time, right? Because of AI, because of robotics and automation, um, you know, you're, gonna, you're going from, you're taking digital technology and now making it autonomous. In 10 years from now, What's going to happen with with moving goods? You might not have truck drivers. You know they're a big part of the expense. You might not have carbon-powered vehicles. So now you're talking about a two. You know people are trying to jockey for being on those new demand curves to move goods, and it might be a sled on, um, you know, something that's going underground, like Elon Musk is betting on, right, with Richard Branson. It might be drones picking stuff up and dropping it off, like Amazon's betting, right? So there's all these different equations. So, But what also changes there is the financial aspect of it because if if you can apply those technologies, suddenly you could have a low margin business, could be a higher margin business for various reasons, right? So I think that's the first thing. As an entrepreneur, you gotta figure out short term and long term, what am I doing around my product? The second part then is figuring out, you know, okay, I've got my product down, what's my traffic conversion plan, what's my sales playbook, and what's my customer success roadmap? Because all that spells out what you do with technology. There's lots of tools that you can, and stuff you can build, but if you don't have that answer on those things, you, like all the marketing automation and sales automation and customer support automation, case management, it's all useless, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> And I couldn't agree more. I mean, you 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 said a lot of really good things. Um, the the whole aspect of just uh, the state of a lot of jobs are in jeopardy. Um, but as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to be on the forefront to help that. Um, I want to just change the conversation up a little bit and and sure. spunk it up, so to speak. So um, <laughs> okay. right before the conversation. Uh, I actually uh, asked you for your Instagram handle. And so what I did was I just did a quick deep dive of some pictures that I found uh, that just need some additional further explaining. So uh, are you ready to explain that, Graham Michael? Let's do it. All right. So this is the first one right here. Uh, I believe it's with a, a young lady. Uh, yeah. And, and that individual is, is kind of going through uh, like a coil. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming is that a family member or uh, and no what was what was it that they were doing that that um, led to that and uh, I have a business question outside of that sure so this this picture is from a girl that was uh, on the street with her dad and there's a couple of these tables along Fourth uh, Avenue in Long Beach California and what they were doing was they were raising money for their computer lab. 
And it wasn't just a computer lab, it was a computer and science lab. And what, it was, what blew my mind was the parents were funding this computer and science lab, not the school. And it's an, it was outside of the school curriculum. So I don't know what the hell the school's teaching them, but what they were learning in there was way more important than anything else they learned day in and day out. And proof of that was this was a project that she did very similar to the game of operation where she was learning really around, I would say, electricity and circuits, right? And opening and closing circuits. And so the game was like operation where if you moved around, it, it would buzz if you touched. Um, so what I did is I, you know, I saw this and I basically went um, and she was demonstrating her project. And then I ran home and found every single dollar that I had in the house because I have dollar bills I don't keep and just drop them. And I came back with a bunch of cash for it. Wow, that's <laughs> and, cool. And as I was walking along the street back to my house, there's a bunch of restaurants and people sit outside on patios. And I stopped at each of them. And I said, hey, listen up to everybody. Yeah, go down the street and help these people yeah. out. I said, if you guys contributed to her um, you know, fundraising, do you know what it's about? And people like tried to ignore me and some people like listened. Yeah. And then I spoke louder. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, whatever you're doing is not as important as this. So I'm going to tell you what it is. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> well, it was business. Weird. I, was like, I was really like, I was almost mad that they had to raise money for that. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that raised a really interesting question. Like the, the mm -hmm. way that the school curriculums are, but more so on an aspect of entrepreneurship, um, that's how referrals work. You do a right. good job. Uh, and you were the referral, you know, uh, you do That's a good true. job, you, you do what you do and you, you have other people talk about it. Um, but from an entrepreneur's perspective, you don't, you, you get a lot of people to listen, but how do you get them to actually buy in, you know? And, and then I feel as if that from what I'm hearing, it's that interpersonal relationship where you're talking to them, getting to know them, showing your passion, um, right. and then that inevitably converts them into a sale. I think we trick ourselves into thinking, especially if you're like in a business that you don't have to sell because sometimes it can get tiring, right? Mm -hmm. um, or you think, you know, I think that's the one um, trick with all this automation of marketing sales and support or one mistake that we play a mind game with ourselves thinking that we can just magically create this selling machine. And in the end, it always comes down to relationships. Yeah. The question is, how do you scale those relationships? Absolutely. So and that's what you're trying to do, right? Yeah. So <laughs> my, my next question is, or excuse me, my next picture is you and Grant Cardone holding yes. the book. That's pretty cool. Uh, so number one, um, who, who would you want to give this book to? If you can give your book to somebody, if you can give somebody to read it or to promote it, who would mm. be that one person that would just is like, your inspiration behind writing it? Uh, the name that keeps coming to my mind, I mean, I, I keep thinking Peter Diamandis because I do write about, like I do actually reference what he talks about in the book. And um, Peter, people may not know who Peter Diamandis is, but I think he's famous or infamous for a couple of things. One, he uh, founded the X Prize. Hmm. So the X Prize is what started the new space race, where independent entrepreneurs are, you know, trying to build. First, they were trying to win the X Prize, which was for someone that could build 
a reusable rocket, essentially, that would go into space and back. So that spawned SpaceX. That spawned what's going on with the Google guys wanting to go to Mars. That spawned uh, what Jeff Bezos is doing, uh, Richard Branson, right, with Virgin Galactic. So that, that all came from B Peter Diamandis. Um, so I think that would be the guy that I'd actually like to interview on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I need him to read the book because I write about him a little bit. Like, I reference some of what he says, you know, in the book. But I think what people need to pay attention to what he's doing. The other thing that he's done that's really interesting is the Singularity University. And he's also come out with a white paper manifesto on um, education mm. that's really worth reading. If he's listening, which I'm sure he is, reach out and let's get, get him Peter, on the show. Um, if you don't know how to get a hold of me, Peter, I just interviewed – or I'm going to interview – did I interview? Summer Felix. Okay. And he knows Summer Felix. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you're one step closer. I can see your, your, your brain work. You're, you're trying to go from oh, – Want low, low, low to, to higher, oh, yeah. to higher, to higher. Um, now, you should picture Grant Cardone, and that was from the 10X Growth Con. Yeah. So um, I got to meet a lot of really interesting people from that, and one of the other interesting people that was a speaker at 10X Growth Con was Naveen Jain. And Naveen, uh, is, he has two, well, he's actually got three ventures now, but two big ones, Viome, and we got to interview uh, Dr. Stephen Barry, and he's the guy that um, explained what basically leaky gut syndrome is. Mm. And their mission there is to make all chronic illness optional. Mm. That's powerful. And they do that by providing testing around the gut microbiome. Yeah. Other venture is Moon Express, which is, um, again, I would say spawned out of Peter Diamandis' work around SpaceX in some ways because he's got the rights to go to the moon and mine it. Interesting. I don't even know how. That's a whole nother conversation. How you uh, get that, those rights for that? The last, the last question that I have about uh, Instagram in particular, <laughs> my brand, is your brand, and then it's three circles, like and yeah. one of them says hockey, tech nerd, author, and then MD, which I'm assuming is you directly in the middle. It is. Um, yeah, what, what has this done for for you? What has this done for your brand? Uh, is it? Do you still stay true to to those uh, three three so. circles? Um, so this was actually drawn for me at a dinner by a gentleman by the name of Van Latham. And Van is a, a pretty successful HR executive. Mm -hmm. My wife is in that space. And so they're, they're friends uh, of ours through my wife. And then Van's also a lecturer at a university. And uh, so the, to explain, the, the one's obvious, which is tech nerd, right? Because mm -hmm. I, you know, what I do in my business. But the other... I have uh, the other resume I have is around hockey in the last, I don't know, 10, 15, probably 15 years, I'm, at least 15 years I've been involved in hockey as either a coach or a manager. Um, so I started out, I'm Canadian, in case you can't figure that out. Uh, <laughs> we did now. <laughs> now everybody knows. Secrets out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I started really just coaching um you know, kind of single A hockey, double A, triple A, went to provincial junior as a assistant GM and then GM. And then the last four years I've been working with an organization called the Everett Silvertips. And we're actually in the WHL final. Um, so I was director of uh, coaching for the Everett Junior Silvertips and their youth program as well. And we built up a program there. 
and next year I'm going to be scouting for the WHL team. But our WHL team is actually in the uh, Western Hockey League Championship starting mm. tonight. Nice. So I get Swift Current Broncos. It's in Swift Current. Uh, so yeah, I love uh, I love hockey and my my technologies background kind of has um, come into play where I'm actually doing the digital marketing now for the Everett Silvertips. Nice. Good stuff. There you go. Thank you. So, uh, Michael, my final question to you today is um, if the blind entrepreneur was created to help those who are temporarily lost or blind in business and cannot see the obvious in their life, um, maybe in their life and their business. So to those particular individuals that may be stuck in that internal space, cannot get out of it, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? So I, I wrote these down. And uh, I think that the first thing that, and the mistake that I make over time sometimes is going inward. So sometimes you need to have feedback from other people that you trust. And what I found that in the last probably six to 12 months are two things. One is my circle of influence. I've been able to expand and um, done that through really the podcast has been really helpful with that. So I would say start a podcast and talk to interesting people. Absolutely. And then I think the second part to that is you should always have a group and whether you do that through uh, a couple of advisors that are on like your advisory board of your business or a mastermind or both, highly recommend that. And, and try to get people on there that um, can support areas that maybe you need help in. So maybe you're a really strong salesperson but you need help with product and maybe you need help with marketing. But you know, just have people on there that are maybe your peers I think that's been really helpful for me. Um, so I think it's like don't isolate yourself if I sum that up. That's the first thing. The second is really uh, you know, work on your business, not in your business. So sometimes just because we can do something, we tend to get stuck in the weeds. And I think you got to understand what your highest value uh, work is. And I actually talk about this uh, in the book that I got it from um, – oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name now, but really – Come up every 90 days. Come up with three lists, and the first list is stuff in your business that annoys you, and that's stuff you want to eliminate or automate. You could automate it, but a lot of times you want to eliminate that from your business. The second are things that are important, but you don't, you know, they're repetitive, and that stuff you definitely automate. So you come up with some sort of a system and then a technology to make sure that that happens, no matter what. But it's not necessarily you doing it. Um, or, you know, and delegation is partly in that bucket. The third is what inspires you and what's your highest value work. So the stuff you love to do and that moves the needle of your business every 90 days, that's the stuff that you need to be working as the entrepreneur. And that might be speaking for you. It might be talking to customers. It might be building products. Whatever that thing is, it inspires you and gives energy to you. That's what's going to grow your business. Love it. Absolutely love it. Michael, thank you so much for your time this morning to talk about your, your life, your business, everything <laughs> in between. It really means a lot. And I'd like to give you the next 30 seconds to just promote yourself. Tell everybody uh, how they can learn more about you, become a customer, and follow your journey. Great. Um, so if you uh, go to Amazon or automategrow.biz, you can uh, get yourself a copy of Automate and Grow. And it's really a blueprint for any business to address creating a digital product and then automating marketing sales and support, you know, and all the technology stuff flows from what's in that book. Um, if you need help with uh, two things, I would say one, if you're looking for someone to help you with 
done-for-you lead generation or traffic and conversion. Uh, cloudadvisory.io is my company, as well as we're um, primarily a Salesforce partner. So we use, uh, if you need help with development or advice around Salesforce, marketing automation, sales, or support automation, then um, you can reach out to me and you can always find me on LinkedIn. Good stuff. Well, to those of you that are still watching and listening, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and head over to tbeshow.com for more interviews. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.